1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Talk and Torque. Uh, very, very, very excited uh, tonight. i uh, got a good friend of mine, uh, one of the better people that I know in motorsports, Mr. Dominic Fougere, is going to be coming in. We're going to talk about his life in racing. We're going to talk about the GP3R Grand Prix de Trois Rivières. And uh, I'm going to pick his brain on a couple of topics here, and we'll just see what happens. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a fun uh, a fun session for me when you have a uh, a bona fide broadcaster. I kind of get the feeling that it'll be like talking to Alex, where I can just kind of wind him up a little bit, and uh, he'll carry on the conversation for me. But uh, really looking forward to getting Dom on here in a few minutes. Uh very very eventful week in motorsports. Um, I took the time this week, and I had to pop off a little bit because the what's going on in NASCAR is really, really bugging me. Um, watching the smash-up derby, watching drivers take things into their own hands, watching um, NASCAR always look the other way um, is 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 just so disappointing to me that. NASCAR's got a really good product if they would start to focus on racing again and move away from this idea of vehicular entertainment I think that they would start to bring some fans back I mean NASCAR over the last bunch of years uh, if you if you get to read my blog from this week they've they've removed hundreds of thousands of seats from stadiums they've you know, they reconfigure the way the races run with stage racing, with playoffs, with all this stuff. And I believe that all of these things were a step backwards. Um, I, I don't need to go word for word into my blog, but after last weekend, uh, there were a they they had the chance to really put on a great show. They had Jensen Button, they had Kimi Räikkönen, they had uh, Jordan Taylor. These are some of the best racers on the planet now, that doesn't mean that they should have been able to walk away, but at the end of the, the event, the drivers are all pissed off. Ryan Priest said, there's no respect in the series and that a few drivers need to have their asses kicked. Alex Bowman said, the way we race is embarrassing. Jordan Taylor, uh, for those of you who don't know, he's filling in for Chase Elliott while, while Chase is recovering from a broken leg, said if people drove like that in sports cars, they'd be ejected from the event. Jensen Button, former F1 champion, said, I either hit someone or was hit on every lap of the race. Just about had to fall out due to heat exhaustion. Kyle Busch, in the middle of his interview after the race, saw Ross Chastain, who is basically a bowling ball, a wrecking ball in the series, stopped his interview, pointed out Chastain, and said that, there's the best example of a dirty driver The the there's more and more and more, but the drivers have had enough. I think the fans have had enough. And at some point, NASCAR is going to have to step in and say, at what point do we go back to racing and actually promoting racing? Or is this, is this the, the course for NASCAR going forward? Um, I've had a thing kind of gnaw at me for the last, uh, well, it's been a month, the last month that, uh, IndyCar has been off. Um, if you can take a look at this, this is the windscreen from Benjamin Peterson's car after St. Pete. And what has to be pointed out, he had a car ride up over his windshield that in the olden days, That would have resulted in a head injury or a fatality. If there's anyone out there that's still in doubt of, you know, the windscreen, the halo and in NASA or in, um, in formula one, this is the proof that this is what we need. There's still work that needs to be done. Drivers keep talking about how hot the cockpit is. Um, and it's, I don't understand why that, why they can't figure out how to move air through the cockpit a little bit easier, but, um, you know, given, given the choice of being uncomfortable or being dead, obviously uncomfortable is going to win every single time. Uh, this weekend, obviously IndyCar's back. Uh, they're going to be racing in Texas. Uh, always an interesting track. Uh, Texas is, uh, you know, the, you know, Obviously, I spend a lot of time around Alex Tagliani. I'm his spotter. We're good friends. We're partners on a number of things. The first question anyone asks or seems to ask Tag um, when when they meet him is about Texas in the old champ car days where where drivers were actually passing out, uh, doing 245 miles an hour on the front straightaway. We're obviously not going to see that this weekend, but uh, Texas is a really uh, razor's edge kind of track. Lots of great racing. F1, uh, back in, in Melbourne at, uh, Albert park until I was there a couple years ago, or la- I think it was last year. I had no idea that Albert park was exactly that. I thought that was the name of the racetrack, but it's actually a public park. So as you're, as you're watching that on TV this weekend, just know, uh, they're, they're right in the heart of the city. Um, that's publicly accessible. I drove through a lot of the, the track got to see it all, you know, around the pond and, um, the, the stadium and things like that. But, that's my little bit here. Let's. Uh, nobody wants to hear me. There's a good crowd of people here. Hopefully, we get a couple of good comments throughout the night uh, and want to welcome in. And hopefully, our audio is working here. Uh, one of the best guys I know, and I'm not saying that just because you're here, um, always smile on his face, always engages us, um, takes unbelievable care of everyone during the. Uh, the the race weekend Mr. Dominic Fougere. How you doing, Dom?
2: A little embarrassed to say the least. Thank you for the introduction. That's been above and beyond what I was expecting and, and the probably and, and people who are were uh logged into the podcast probably know that the reason why I always welcome you with a smile is that I'm just trying to reciprocate. I'm playing mirror here. So you uh, are <laughs> one, of the, one of one of the the, the most uh, amicable people in the paddock. And, and, and even when we disagree, like we're doing on the NASCAR situation right now, well, we'll agree to disagree and, and we'll do it in a, in a uh, very um, um, civilized manner and, you know, make sure we have fun about it because at the end of the day, you know, um, um, it is a matter of life or death and, and you, you, you brought back the 2001 Texas Motor Speedway debacle in IndyCar but at the same time, uh, it's still fun and games. It's fun and games where you can <laughs> die on every lap. But hopefully, you know, uh, safety advances have, as uh, not only hopefully, but but you know, safety advances have made that it's not as um, as present as it used to be. But at the same time, we make sure we have fun. Speaking of uh, back in the days, if you have a chance to watch the Villain of Peroni uh, documentary that will be airing on on Crave. It's a Sky Sports uh, production. I had the chance to look at it because somebody had slipped the link on YouTube, watched it. But it's going to be on Crave, I think, next week or the week after. Make sure you do. It brings you back to an era where, you know, every lap, every turn was a matter of life or death. And you see the tragic destiny of of Gilles Villeneuve and Peroni in the same season who, who all had their mishaps, and both of them are are, are uh, regretted and,
1: and, and, uh, departed. But, uh, yeah, I saw Jill's I saw car, uh, one of his cars, one of the Ferraris, uh, at Sonoma. It was on a, uh, there was a nostalgia series running when, uh, tag was Bud Miller, there. probably, sorry,
2: was it Bud Miller?
1: I'm not sure who it was. This is, this is a long time ago and my memory's, uh, not good to, to, uh, to say the very very least but taking a look at the car and, and they let us get really close you know i didn't touch anything but how drivers were ever able to survive anything in that era like there was no framework work it was tin, and their legs were out i mean you see there's yep. countless accidents and there's video i don't i don't watch racing for accidents i don't like watching that stuff but when you see guys legs turn to hamburger um it, it's surprising that more people were able to live through that era.
2: You know, when, when Jacques Villeneuve, that, that you and I have had a chance to meet on a number of occasions, was able to drive the 312, I think it was the T4 Ferrari that, is, that his dad drove. And he, he uh, brought it out the hill at Goodwood and raced, uh, not raced, but, but uh, lapped at Fiorano in, uh, in uh, Italy. He said exactly what you said. I don't understand how they were able to survive that long. You know, yep. you're just sitting on an aluminum plank with another aluminum plank, little bench, and basically the seat where the seat belts and were holding you back. So, yep. so it, it it shows how much we advanced and how much. I gave a conference yesterday to uh, the Quebec Association of of uh, of Auto Body Specialists, and I was telling them how how motor racing was at first a bench, uh, a test bench for for performance. Than a bench for safety and security. And most of the events that we see in our streetcars come from there. You know? Seat belts, ABS, um, um, uh, driver's assist. Um, uh, traction, the, control. The traction control. Traction the, the, control, the, the steel beams in, in the doors. Crumple yep. uh,
1: zones, the whole yep. thing. Yep.
2: Exactly. All come from motorsports. And now we're at a point where it was uh, efficiency, and now we're, we're looking at ecology. So uh it shows that motorsports has, has a, a a place in uh, development and innovation and as it should always do. And you know, you you would know this more than most people because you strive to innovate in your business every single day. Make it build a better mousetrap, and that's all engineers try to do in motorsports. Plus, you know, you get to get a you get to have a show out of it. So why not?
1: Yeah, I um I, I didn't fully understand this. Um, My father in law is a a drag racer. And, um, you know, that's really how I started getting to the track. The first time I ever went was with with those guys uh, running their super comp car. And uh, he he had a t shirt back in the day that said, Do you remember when drag racing was dangerous and sex was safe? (laughs) And I had no idea. I didn't fully appreciate it until, you know, getting a little bit deeper in. But yeah, I mean, motorsports has obviously come a long way. (laughs) Obviously, sex has gone backwards. But um, I want to get back to something you said before that you want to you want to disagree with me on NASCAR. I want to know, you know, not to turn this into a fight, but what what points do we not agree on?
2: Uh, well, I think that uh, the racetrack, especially these days and the way that, you know, vehicles are much safer, especially the NASCAR vehicles, and they're, they're, they're working on it every week. Um, you need to make it a level playing field, and that's what NASCAR has done with the new car. And by making it a level playing field, you need to take officiating as much out of, of it as possible. And like it or not, and I've had this conversation with Tagliani as well. Numerous times, stock car racing is a contact sport. So you know it's like the difference between handball and and football, or 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 you know like basketball and, and and hockey. You know one of them is a is a contact sport and contacts are part of it. They're part of the DNA of stock car. It doesn't make things any more dangerous because the cars are built for that. The drivers expect it, and when they don't expect it, like like Jensen Button, obviously. They're gonna have a hard time, but you know, Alex had a, had a hard time adapting to um, to uh, to stock cars. But the other way around works. You know, uh, uh, n- ever since Mario Andretti, none of the drivers were able to go from one to the other uh, to do it fairly easily. So it's no wonder that that, that you know Jensen Button, Kimi Raikkonen, and even Jordan Taylor had troubles because Taylor drives. A prototype, which is a full-bodied car, but it's not a stock car. It's not made for contacts. Whereas in the NASCAR world, it's part of the deal. It's part of it's part of of, of the sport, and you need to to uh, take it in stride and make sure that you acknowledge that fact. And the fact that you can be, you know, you, you can be a tough hockey player but not dirty, is exactly what Kyle Busch was alluding to when he was talking about Ross Chastain. You know, he says he is a dirty driver. Where you have, you know, uh, for instance, if you go back in the days in hockey, Serge Savard was a very tough mofo. He was yeah. one of the toughest guys in the league. He, you know, he 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 single-handedly uh, 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 beat up Dave Schultz to make sure that the rest of the Canadians team could play. But he never was labeled a dirty player. Where right. you have guys like you know Sean Avery back then who who wasn't that tough. But it was real dirty, you know. Hunter, was dirty. Hunter, same same, same, same type of deal. So there's a line between these two. It's part of the sport. It's part of the appeal as well because, you know, some people like dirty players and some people like tough players and some people like finesse players, you know. Um, Jimmy Johnson would never qualify as a dirty or tough driver. He's a finesse driver. He's won eight championships. So it works. You don't have to be that, but you have to be able to take it and give it back once Definitely. in a while so that's that's, that's part of I'm the deal that, that's where i that's where i stand
1: yeah to be clear from when i entered uh the pinty series with tag back in 2014 my opinion was actually you know i'll just say flat wrong i didn't think that there should ever be contact anywhere i was a go-karter i was more of an open wheel person contact is is absolutely verboten because when that happens like crazy bad things happen but then, you know, looking at a track like, um, you know, Chaudière, ah, Chaudière is a bad example. um, um you know, Wetasquin probably the best example where it's really just a single groove track where the only way to make a pass in a lot of cases is you've got to give a bump. There's a bit of an etiquette on short track racing that you can give a guy a bump once, you can give a guy a bump twice, Give a guy a bump a third time. If he doesn't open the door, you've let him know you're there. You're not hitting him. You're just letting him know you're there. Riley is his cage. It's not even that. It's just saying like, listen, I'm faster than you because I can get to your bumper. It's not designed to to crash someone. If after three times, they're not going to open up and let you make that pass, then you drive them in. You get them out of the way. They're probably going to end up losing four or five positions instead of losing one. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about are these guys that go barrel assing into turn one and don't bother with the brakes they wipe out half the field because they don't have the skill to keep their car under control and that's the part of racing that i love the most but it gets to the extreme where you've got daniel suarez who is pinballing everyone on pit road that's never okay when you know he stuffed oh, his. Pedro is
2: strictly verboten, as you Hundred percent. I, I, I mean, it's that's not what we're talking about. You know, correct.
1: But that's to me that's the symptom of the issue. The issue is these drivers know that pretty much no matter what happens on the racetrack, there's not going to be any consequence. There's never. I don't. Be I, don't I
2: I I still don't agree in the way NASCAR has been officiating. Is a, is a testament of that. Because, for instance, you were talking about Kyle Busch when he decided to park him and suspend him. When he did something outside the whistles, yep. it's just like the NFL. You know, you can hit somebody just about as hard as you as you can uh, between two whistles. But once, you know, the, the, the once the place right. called, you're done, it's over with. And this will be strictly enforced. Pit lane is between two whistles. Yep. Um, 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 uh, yellow flag, you know... Uh, uh, caution is between two whistles, but you know when you're in play, then I say, you you can take pretty much all the. Like you said, you know, if the guy won't move, you can help him move. You can let him know you're there. And part of the talent and appeal is making able is being able to keep it going forward, keep it going quicker, and keep it side by side. Once somebody tries to push you off
1: hundred percent. Yeah. And, and that's where I believe that the, the side effect is that a guy like Suarez felt like, okay, I just got freight trained. I just got wrecking balled and nobody's going to, nobody's going to penalize this. So I'm going to let these guys know now pit road. This is another issue. I have the penalty came down yesterday. Suarez was penalized $50,000, no points, no suspension, just money his penalty is more severe than what happens nowadays with a loose wheel. You have a loose wheel, two crew, like if it happens during the race, you lose a lap or you go to the back of the line or, you know, depending on the scenario, two of your crew members are suspended for two races. Now, the origin of that rule, that penalty kind of makes sense. When in the olden days where there were five bolts and, Guys would haul like they would weld nuts to the wheels and they would hollow them out so that they could make it look like they were doing all five, but they were only holding things on with two nuts. Okay, that makes sense because that's a competitive advantage. Now that there's a center lock it's not, system. It's
2: not only a competitive advantage, it's a safety hazard.
1: No, what I'm saying is teams would do that for a competitive advantage because they yes, could see it, it was faster. That's why it's
2: the it, it, it it penalized. It was, yes, it was, it was twofold. You know, it was a competitive, unfair competitive advantage. Plus a safety
1: has it was dangerous, yes. And that so if you lost a wheel in that configuration, you should get a penalty. That was of course, you're trying to trying to make pit stops faster. You're you're circumventing the rules. Nowadays with center lock wheels, there's no advantage to not tightening a nut. If your nut is loose, your wheel's gonna be loose and you're not gonna be able to run quicker. So I don't know why the penalty is so severe. They're using the setup that NASCAR is mandating. They're doing it in the best way that they can. If a wheel comes off, it's because something went wrong, not because they were trying to cheat. Yeah, but what,
2: what, what NASCAR is trying to police there is to make sure that uh, uh, that, that, that um, the game is as safe as it can be, yes, for drivers, but especially for fans. You know, I was there when Kyle, when Kyle Larson was driving Xfinity and his engine ended up in the grandstands at Daytona in two tires, yeah. you know. You can have the tether. You can have all you want. You never want that. That's something oh, of that course. you need to be, you know, and and you need to come down hard to. So the teams will say, "Let's make sure that we do it." And if we don't, well, you know, we get our asses ended to us, and and, and then it kind of makes sense if you Definitely. ask me. But then, you know, I'm not I'm not NASCAR, but I'm, I see where they're coming from. Honestly, on but there have
1: been so many. Even, you know, the last two years with this new configuration, there have been so many of these penalties and it just doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, uh, we'll continue to agree to disagree. Um, I want to make sure I get your your title correct because I've read it a bunch of different ways. I think of you as the promoter, but you're also the general manager of GP3R. Am I missing anything there?
2: General manager is pretty much what I do. I generally manage. I don't manage everything, but I generally manage.
1: Generally manage. Yeah. Maybe it translates better into French.
2: Um, uh, but it's, 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 it, it really is, uh, you know, it's, as I like to say, you, you remember the, the old, well, I think it's new again, the Magnum PI show where, you know, Tom Selleck would live in a big mansion in Hawaii and drive a Ferrari, but they have to pay for any of those things because he he got to use them because he was, a, you know, the PI of the guy, you know, owning a house. It's a little bit of the same thing, you know, they hand me the keys to the GP3R. I'm not, I, I am responsible for the financial risk but I'm not at risk myself. So it allows me to uh, to put together an event that that's been you know um, uh, making a uh, been a good calling card for the city of Trois-Rivières and, and Quebec and the region of Mauricie ever since you know 1967
1: so well I you know whether you I don't know how well you can see this is my Oh TV I can show. see
2: it well. I know it's that was one problem. of my favorite uh, t-shirts that we've made so
1: I almost never wear it anymore because it's, I've worn it so much. The paint, <laughs> the the silk screen is starting to chip and you guys don't make this anymore. So I only broke this out for today, just in honor of the event and, and of you, sure, but thank you. I, I say it, I mean, you know, I do, you know, uh, I did my radio hit here about an hour and a half ago. if there's one race that I try and make sure that people understand that they wouldn't necessarily get, it's your race. It's GP3R because i'm a i'm a big believer in energy now it's gonna sound kind of fugazi but i don't care there's an energy that happens at a racetrack and i've been fortunate enough to you know be on the you know the starting line of the indy 500 multiple times and at you know fontana and at you know countless races in in indycar in sports cars in pinties you know There's an energy that happens at the Indy 500 and the only energy I have ever felt that's even close to it is a GP three R and specifically, you know, when we get to race, we're, we're just racing, but during the autograph session is a madhouse. I've taken pictures during the autograph session, going back to pretty much my first race. Now, unfortunately they're in little, little capsules here. So I hope I get these in the right order. The people have, they line up for, I mean, probably an hour, two hours, and they get corralled. Generally, it depends because it it moves around from year to year, but they go to the false grid before they can get on. This is on the front straightaway. And the sea of humanity that's there is indescribable. Like, they're so polite. They're they're very, very patient. Normally you would think of a crowd like this and you would think that there's going to be like pushing and shoving and fighting and stuff like that. But, um, unbelievable. Like this is again, you know, I'll keep saying like glowing things about the race, but we, we do other races in Quebec. We, you know, we used to race at St. Astache. We would race, at, you know, we race at uh, Chaudière. We race at Icar, nothing against those races, but the there's something that happens at your event that just puts it into the stratosphere.
2: Well, I think that energy and 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 like I will sound a little forgetful as well, but I think it comes. It's the energy that's derived and distilled from our one thousand two hundred volunteers. You know, the entire city gets behind it. Um, Twelve hundred volunteers is a, a lot of people that give us their time, their energy, their expertise. You know. We have people that come in and, and give us a few days out of the year, and they've become world-class, sought-after experts uh, in in racing and race direction and safety issues. and And that's something to be said about the passion of these people, and how much they translate it, how much how important it is for them to be able to convey their passion and grab back the the uh, grab back the energy from the people that come and 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 um, trust us with one of their summer weekends. You know, yep. you live in Alberta, I live in Quebec. Summer is a very short thing. Yeah. It's eight weekends, three of those it will rain, so you got five left and people trust us with 12. So yep. we need to make sure that this gift that is entrusted to us, we take care, we polish, we we, 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 we shine, we make shine, and we bring back in, in, in the best possible lights. And when I talk about our volunteers, it's even you know we've got people that are paying to be there, and we have people that are giving out time to make sure that people are that are paying and are 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 well welcomed and are uh, give a world class look for our city. So this is something that's hard to describe, as you can see, and is even hard to quantify. It's some Definitely. kind of obtain tena, that we can you know plug into. And, and draw that energy. It's kryptonite, basically. And that's why we do what we do. And that's why uh, I like to think that we do it well.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, having having raced there since 2013. I've missed a couple of years uh, along the way. But uh, the first race that was done there, um, which to me was, I mean, we've won there. Um, but multiple 2013, times. multiple times, to- yes. And that was like. Crowning achievement in in pinties, but still my favorite my favorite win there was 2013, when DJ Cannington held off Jacques Villeneuve for the win. Well,
2: I, he still tells that story anytime you just wind him up. All you gotta say is Jacques, and then DJ goes into DJ mode and says, "The team would tell me to shut up. I got Jacques Villeneuve behind me, I'm trying to keep him behind, so leave me alone." That, that was a Kimmy moment actually, when, when Kimmy used to do that, you know. Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing.
1: Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. But for DJ Cannington, who's not a road course ringer, to hold off a former F1 champion um, and to well, be there—back
2: with... to our point at the beginning of this conversation—it's a contact sport. DJ knows this better than anyone. He can, you know, I'm not going to say bully, but he knows what he knows how to make that that car as wide as it can be, correct? And he knows how to make it as narrow as it can be. To be able to, to to find a position, find the place, and that was something that Jacques is getting better at, and he's a world class racer, he's a world champion, but doesn't necessarily have all the same um, pieces of arsenal that DJ has for for that type of racing.
1: So. Scott Steckley might have a different uh, different opinion about that with some of their contact over the years, but that's what happens when you got body. Want to talk,
2: Kerry Mix and Andrew Ranger? That's 2009. And the pictures are still on the website.
1: They're they're still there. It it happens. And you know, you're never going to eliminate all contact, but there's, there's moving somebody out of the way and there's wrecking them. If you get to the point of wrecking someone, then you got to take a look at it. And you know, anyway, the, the, the amount of, of high quality racing that happens there year after year, after year, after year, I don't know why I can't, there's nothing, you know, aside from the duplicy Arch. Like, there's nothing really unique about the track. But did that's... I tell
2: you my did that did I tell you my Paul Menard Duplessis Arch story? I don't think so. All right. Well, it's, it's public consumption. Let's tell it to everyone.
1: We we got time.
2: So, um, as you know, as as a lot of you know, I used to cover motorsports for a, a newspaper in Montreal, and. Um, Left that job, we were locked out. Did a little bit of radio, and um, when I got hired for the Grand Prix, that was beginning of November. So there was still the, the Homestead race to go to, and I wanted to, you know, uh, go see my contacts, talk to them, you know, polish them and and make sure that that you know I had my ducks in a row to make sure that at the 2012 edition would be fine. So back then, um, Slugger Labbé, who's Heritage is from Quebec. His dad, and his mom are from Quebec, and uh, but Formally he was Mike, rich-
1: Michael Waltrip's crew chief, chief back in yeah, uh, back then. and then oh. he
2: was Jacques Villeneuve's crew chief when he tried to make it in the Cup, and was now Paul Menard's crew chief. And and, and when Jacques tried his foray into into Cup, I was covering him. So and and, and me and Jacques are really close. So I got close to Slugger, he was a great guy. He's just awesome all around guy. If you have ever a chance to say hello, I mean he's. He's one of the best people I know, not only in racing, but in life. Yeah. So um, so we're at this bar in Key Largo, out in the booths, not on the beach. Like he, he texts me and he goes, Come and meet me there. I'm having beer with my guy. So Timmy Petty, who was tuning the engine, is there, Slugger's there. Menard is there, and I'm talking to Slugger like like this, and then Menard's on the other side of Slugger. So he's on the back side. And, and I said, Oh, so so you're out of the newspaper business. Yeah, I'm out of that, you know. Little bit of a lockout and stuff happened blah blah blah. And um and so what are you doing now? Well, I, I run a racetrack now. I, I run the Grand Prix de Trois Rivières, and instantly it took a nanosecond. Pullman archers are on Trois Rivières, yeah. Mean that place with the motherfucking arch. Yeah.
1: Oh you're fine, you're fine.
2: So I said, Yeah, I would shit my pants every time we went through that arch in Transam. <laughs> So I'm like, all right, we got something going, you know? Yeah. He said, everybody thinks it goes too wide, and then he's telling the story of Everybody thinks it goes too wide, but it doesn't. And just to remind you, if you miss your apex, you end up in a wall that's the fence to a cemetery. So I was yeah, like, all right, we got true. a signature feature. It's an arch. It looks good, plus it scares drivers. It's wonderful.
1: Yeah, But gorgeous on TV. Like, yeah. way before I knew anything about racing, back in the olden days TSN would cover the Atlantic series there and I get to see it on TV and I don't remember a driver's name I don't remember anything else but I remember like vividly I'll never forget the cars coming down the hill and through the arch and I thought this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen to be able to you know take victory laps through there or like Casual laps now. Um, it, it, I mean, it's it's super surreal to me. But um, the the venue is is amazing. Like it's so easy to get to. Whether I mean, if people are going to stay in Montreal, it's an hour and a half each way. It's not a big deal. It's an easy drive up the twenty. Is that twenty? Is that right? The twenty? The highway? Uh,
2: is it 40, the forty?
1: Sorry. Okay. You I'm, can get there by
2: twenty, but it's a longer.
1: Yeah. But the, the, once you're in town, like, I mean, I've walked to the track from my hotel, like, you know, generally I'll stay at the Delta if I can book it early enough, it's hard to get in there. Um, But the, the history of the event, like I didn't really appreciate it until I did, you know, I I did some research a long time ago and then researched um, a little bit. I mean, the, the series and the, the, the drivers that have competed in that event over the years uh, I don't know that you can really name anyone in the world of racing that's accomplished, you know, any any significant level that hasn't competed there.
2: Well, we like to say that the Trois is the place for uh, Canadian drivers to uh for drivers from from, from from our area to test our metal against drive the best in the world. And the best the be- the best from from our place against the best in the world. So so it's a it, 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 and and the track is challenging enough, but it's not a crazy track, you know It's not a Mickey Mouse track, but at the same time, it's not exactly an urban ring. It's not Monza Let's be clear, you know, it's it's but it allows us to have entry-level Type of racing like the legends like the production challenge also the Pinty series We had the IMSA prototypes and and, and to be well back then it was it was uh it was uh, ACO. It was it was Lama, American Lama, ALMS. But let's be fair; these cars were a little too fast for our track. Yep. But um, um, well, there's no
1: the, the one thing there's no runoff like no, aside from the the back straightaway corner there's
2: six there's kind, kind of a runoff corner eight is a good runoff and corner one is a little bit but aside from that you know you got the walls and 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 we designed our rally cross track uh, with uh, my friend Roger Pierre. Um, who helped me a lot when I, when I started. And, 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 and when we designed the, the rally cross track, Roger was adamant that we had the same type of um, characteristics for the rally cross track that we did for the street track. So we wanted concrete walls everywhere. And uh, at the off-road seminar one year, they were talking about track limits at Holius, which is the most famous rally cross track in the world. And uh, uh, Timmy Hansen, had four wheels off and barely by, by an inch or two, but was disqualified, lost the race, this and that and the other thing. And there was this big oopla about, you know, policing track limits. And I just raised my hand and I asked him, Whittington, who was doing the seminar, I said, Tim, can you put a picture of our Joe Collapse? So he goes and, and, you know, humors me. And I said, see, we don't have to police track limits because they hit the wall. if they, if they they If they go beyond the track limits, that means they've moved the wall. And they're yeah. not going to go far. So it's the same, the same type of deal in, in, in Trois Rivieres. We, um, we 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 know the track is challenging for that. It's a little scary. Uh, the Paul Menard story tells a lot, but a lot of drivers, you know, are un um, eat. They're they're uneasy between the walls. But at the same time, it adds to your confidence when you're able to do well there.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we get the same thing when we race in Toronto with the Honda Indy. Yeah. You know the obviously slightly wider racing surface, but you're up against the walls in a lot of it. Um, You know, great little track map here. Um, Like you can't really appreciate what the venue is. The only thing I keep looking at and I have to, you know, being, being that you manage generally the only suggestion, because I see things, everything from a spotter's eyes is that why can't we, why can't we spot from the top of the baseball stadium?
2: Uh, not enough room there's only a very small platform that it would hold about ten guys
1: well let me let me rephrase why can't I <laughs> from the top? because the the two things that we fight there like uh where's my picture this is the one this is our this is our spotter view um you know just outside of the final corner we're at track level, so we basically have to spot off of the the t v screen now this isn't my show but the other problem we have is we have terrible radio reception while the, while the cars are, once they get past the, the swimming pool, until we get them back to around turn eight, that's, there's a complete dead zone there.
2: Well, um, for my money, the best spot is a little far away, but we could find a way to open it up. And we did open it up for the winter Nitro Rallycross race that we had this winter it is up top of the Hippodrome. So it's enclosed, it's air conditioned, it's great, you would have great radio reception all around the track we could put you all of you there. And yeah. when we offered it to Nitro, they we like no it's too far away. They tried to the spot from one of the spotters towers we put, but it was too close to the track, it was dangerous, they didn't want it they were in the in the angle of, of of attack if one of the cars ran off. And I said let's go back to the Hippodrome. That was my plan A and no one wanted to do it. And then they went back and the spotters themselves, you know, the organizers were like, the spotters like, Hulk, oh yeah, let's stay here. You know, this works. And they, they did the same thing in, uh, in Calgary at the Stampede. So we'll have
1: to take a look at it because, you know, every year, I mean, last year we tried to move down to turn nine, turn 10. We tried to get into the grandstands, but we couldn't see, like we can't see anything and there was no TV there. So we can't even do that so it's it's a it's a frustrating well, let's look thing. into
2: it when you uh well we'll talk about it more. when you' show up in through it, let's go look at it Simon I believe you're right Darcy Shredder was lapped twice uh, in our races are only fifty laps so you're not supposed to get lapped once you that might be get, you get but being lapped twice is is quite a uh' is quite a uh, <laughs> it's a it's a it's an exploit in itself and uh uh thanks, Juan, for the good words, and and Carl as well. I mean, uh, we uh, we like to think that we're we're a pretty nifty track. We're, we're not from another one; we'll never be. But at the same time, you know, we 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 try to do what we do well, and we want to make sure that people enjoy themselves. You know, it's fans first. Um, plus, we want we know that the teams, the the team the teammates like yourself, but the drivers, they're also part of the show, and they're also you know. Most of the teams that we have are, are are volunteers themselves. They come here to they come they come to join themselves, and we want to make sure they do. So they're also part of the fan base. They're also part of the guests that we try to entertain. So, yeah,
1: it's it's awesome. Now, one of the things that you've got that's a fairly unique perspective is you get to see a lot of these drivers from when they're kids to carts to Formula Ford, Formula 1600, whether they're doing this, that, and the other thing. Now, you know, obviously we know, you know, Tag, Ranger, Cameron, uh, Dumoulins, like we can go through. Who, who's the one, you know, that, that maybe didn't get to the highest level like Alex or Andrew or what have you that stood out as just a star from when you met him?
2: Hmm, That's a tough question interesting question but
1: it's, you don't have to pick one like or who are the ones that you just knew when you saw them that they had that thing that that ended up you know that made stuff.
2: it to the highest level
1: whether they got no i'm talking about like because we already know about alex and andrew excuse me alex andrew camera we know about those guys and they they've you know made it to indycar yeah. or you know yeah yeah. Like Dr. It, it
2: springs to mind because i was i was there as a uh I was a volunteer when he won his two races in the on the same weekend. When oh, he sorry, beat, you're
1: talking about Carpentier?
2: Carpentier, when he uh, – Gilles Villeneuve's record. Um, so that was like, you know, he's, he, he's a good friend, but he, he, he still is an idol among you know. Yeah. Every time I get to talk – Ron Fellows, another one. You know, my first time at the Rivers, I think it was 88, when, when, when the Grand Prix uh, came back, you know, I was awestruck by his driving ability and his, uh, you know – I was just a fan back then, but we could go in a paddock, meet the drivers, and and his amicable ways. And and now you, every time Ron calls and I see him pop up on my caller ID, I get starstruck. I'm like, Ron Fellow is calling me? Why? Why does he need to talk to me? You know? And <laughs> uh, awesome. so so, so th- th- these these are two that would stand. Um, you know, Tommy Kendall was was another one who made it to the top level in, uh, in Trans Am Racing, but wasn't able to make it to Indy cars because he was too tall. They tried yeah. to give him a test, and he was taller than a roll bar. That wouldn't work, but he was so dominant at the point of yeah, that, that when uh, one of the first, I think it was 2013, 2014, we had the chance, we still have the chance to uh, to intronize uh, three people in the Hall of Fame every year, and yeah. I flew Tommy in, and I said, I need you to be in our Hall of Fame. Please come, you know, please do us the honor. And he was gracious enough to do it. So, yeah. so these the, the are all the guys. Um, um, when I started working in racing uh, as a uh, PR person in Formula 1600, I was, I was working for the Rady team. So Stefan, Roy, and Isabel, his his, his sister, were uh, part of the team. Brendan Karen was one of the drivers. But Loic de Paris, the son of, of Patrick Dupay was also one of our drivers, came in from Europe. It was harder for, the, for him to find a ride in Europe, so he came over and he was another one of the very good ones. And now he's, he's, he, he's turned just as bad as I did because he's a, he's a motorsport journalist now. So he leads so, to everything.
1: And that, that's the, you know, obviously, you know, that's how you started, but what brought you into motorsports? I mean, obviously, we all so have it's, the same sure it's your passion. passion.
2: And, and um, St. Genevieve here is a big motocross town. Okay. Um, I, I race a little bit of three wheelers just for the hell of it, um, only locally. And uh, my friend, Marc St. Arnaud, was a Canadian champion in 1983 in 125, 250, and 500cc. So he, was, he won the Triple Crown that year. And uh, Mark's a good friend of mine. He's the one actually that, that takes care of the dirt part of our rally cross track. And um, my dad would help out with the organization. To, you know, there's a thousand people that live here, and we had a national championship round, so the whole town had to get behind it. A little bit like the whole town of Three Rivers gets behind our race. So that's how I was. You know, I, I've been, I've been, I've been a uh, motorhead. I've been a, a petrolhead, as they say in, in Britain, for for pretty much all my life. And um, little by little, you know, I helped Mark with sponsor when I was 15 years old. You know. Built him a deck and said, "You know, went to, we didn't find it dime, but at least you know it got me some of the experience and some of that passion that I still carry on, uh, that I still carry on today. So, so it came from that. Then Trois Rivieres is twenty minutes from here. That's where I went to, to high school. So, it got close to to that. And and, and at, when I was fifteen or sixteen, I just went and knocked on the door at GP3R and I said, can I help? What can I do?'" I'd like to help on them. I was looking to to, to become a a, a, uh, a reporter, a journalist, uh, working in communications. I said, Can I help on the communications? He said, "Yeah, take care of the media credentials, please." Do now I know what they meant, you know, because it's a, it's a tough job, but that's uh, but uh, so I took care of that and, and and started from there. Then became PR, like I said, with with the Ravy Motorsport team. Uh, started working, went went to, to to university, started working as a regular reporter but i always had this background in motorsports and when the motorsport position opened at journal de montréal i stepped in jumped in when that went away i got a call from the city saying we're looking for a general manager for the grand prix would you would you consider it would you know somebody who would and that was yeah. a night where i was working radio doing a remote with a junior hockey team in a chinese buffet and I was lugging the speakers back in the station's van. It was raining cats and dogs. I smelled of egg roll grease. And I said, Yeah, I know of somebody that would.
1: <laughs> you gave up all that. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome.
2: So that, 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 that's making the long story short. Simon, uh, just to uh, answer your question about, about the, the top of the boxes industriel, the problem with that is that the boxes itself takes you from, it, from seeing one side or the other. So the guys would run from one side to the other, and that they they wouldn't be able to see more than half the track. So it makes it a, a quirky spot for uh, for that. Whereas if you go to the hippodrome, then you get to see the whole layout. Yeah,
1: and that's the big thing is getting getting elevated so that we can actually have our radio signal transmit. You know, I've got um, you know in my early days before I was a full on you know spotter, I would be up in the grandstands at turn one, which, you know, whether it's allowed or not, we were really nice to the volunteers. We stayed out of the way of all the fans, but you go waiting through whoops, wrong picture, but you go waiting through the crowds. um, You know, this is, this is out of turn one. Like the, the, the attendance is always incredible. Can you
2: send me that picture, Colin? I need that picture, please.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course I'll send it after we're done. Yeah. There's like, I mean, there's countless pictures of the, the, the fan interaction. Like this is over the years and you know, you want to make a lot of really great friends really quickly get up into the stands with a headset and a crew shirt. And there's (laughs) like there, you know, and obviously, you know, when you wear a Tagliani shirt, it, it doesn't hurt. Um, and sometimes it does cause people oh, want to no let you know knows. about why they don't like them, but I just talk, I don't, I don't do anything. Um, the, the, the fans there again, I just can't, I can't, you know, emphasize enough how, how awesome they are. Like the, the see full grandstands year after year after year, and then have some of the same people come up for the autograph session or come by the, the, the hauler, you know that want an autograph, like it's the the whole experience is just it, it it's it's indescribably awesome. And like you said, the whole town gets behind the race. You don't, I mean, uh, I don't get to see the 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 media, and if I did I wouldn't understand it because I'm st- stupid anglophone, but there's obviously some people there that complain that they don't want the race, but in general downtown shuts down there's a ferris wheel off of main street the fireworks display
2: yeah uh, these are things that are now gone because of people that don't like to race as much um but you know uh, the fireworks are gone yeah fireworks are gone
1: last year was the last year Yep. we don't get to see this anymore nope sorry oh mon dieu
2: we're working on something else you might have to work on your french but we're working on something else
1: well (laughs) <laughs> What's funny, and I say this with a hundred percent sincerity, my son's sitting here watching, and and at some point, uh, you you actually met him a long, long, long time ago, but uh, this is this is he and my daughter uh, when when we brought him out there in about twenty sixteen, I want to say twenty fifteen, um, when things happen at work, I swear more in French now than I do in English. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, it's it's a it's a mystery where where those words came from, but
2: well, no, it's it, not. It's a Tagliani <laughs> mystery.
1: Tagliani. When we're at, with the cart team at uh, Trombla, when we're you know, everybody's got the same. Ah, uh, Like it's, <laughs> it's and and people here look at me and they don't really know what I'm saying. They just know that things are bad. But um, obviously. Nowadays, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, conservation. We talk about environmentalism. We talk about, you know, minimizing impact. That's actually been a big, big focus of yours during the event.
2: We've been been very uh, fortunate to be able to be tuned in the uh, sustainability bandwagon very soon. And we have some very, very bright people. Our team is limited. There's only five of us full time but these are all sharp as a tag, very intelligent people that I like to rely on and bounce ideas off. I was just uh, sending an email today to a uh, uh, former partner of Patrick, we were talking about Carpani, and we uh, were able yeah, uh, last year to cut uh, 30 tons of carbon emissions from what we were doing in the track build itself. You know uh, What we do on track, we've been um, compensating with, with tree planting since 2017, 2018, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, on the track bill, we were able to move to a biofuel that allowed us to cut 30 tons of carbon that didn't make it to the atmosphere, that wasn't added to the atmosphere. We have deplastified our site, no plastic bottles, no plastic uh, utensils, no plastic uh, plates and uh uh, for, for the service we're doing, uh, aluminum cans for water, because we'd like to use, you know, reusable uh, drinkware. But the problem is that our site is so spread out that we can't have water to all our volunteers. And at the end of the day, I understand that you need to save the environment and that we need to work on that. But if people get heat stroke, you're not any better. So you need, you need, to, manage, you need to manage risk. Yeah. So um
1: and so, some of those races, I mean, when we're there, it's it's scorching. Scorching. Yep. And then we get the biggest thunderstorms that you know keep us locked in. And well,
2: you yeah. you, you weren't there in 2012, were you? That was my first year. Nope. We had enough rain that we had people swimming in a paddock. Drunk guys, yeah. they were, but we had drunk guys that just decided to take a swim around the sewer hole. So it shows you how much how much water was down. I, I but- don't have,
1: I don't have the picture preloaded, but we had that similar thing at uh, Saskatoon a couple of years ago because Saskatoon is actually dug below the surface. Okay. So the, the track is amazing that there's almost never any wind, but when it rains, there's a hundred sump pumps around the track that have to pump the water out. And it just couldn't keep up. We had Dumoulin's guys floating on trying to float on a tire and paddle through like it at one point it was it was beyond waist deep the amount of water like down towards uh turn one where at that year was like lacroix and uh Dumelin. we were hiding. is end. it
2: in a city downtown i don't think so what's that is it in a city's downtown i don't think so
1: just just outside downtown in saskatoon it's not too far uh... away but...
2: Yeah, so just to get back to it, I mean sustainability is a big thing for us. Like I said, you know, yep. we're able to scrub that. Our winter event this year was 100 percent renewable fuels. So electricity, wow. which was brought up from the um from the, the hydro grid, and they tried to do the same at the Stampede in Calgary and weren't able to, so we're we're a little smug about it. Uh they tried That's Calgary,
1: they not did. Edmonton.
2: Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. That's uh, still Alberta. But um, and also we, we had renewable um Synthetic gasoline for the rally cars and the side-by-sides. And we used that same gasoline last year in the Chevrolet Urban Challenge in which Tagliani did race. And we're doing it again this year. So uh, it allows us to take, you know, three 358 engines, 5.7 liter V8 Chevrolet engines that were designed in 1958 and make them part of the uh, carbon greenhouse gas solution. So I, this yeah. is when I mentioned to you that, you know, we benchmark for performance, benchmark for safety, benchmark for, for uh, economy, and now a benchmark for sustainability. That's where we're at. That's part of our mission. And that's not only part of our mission. It's part of our survival DNA. That's what we need to do if we need that's to right. have a purpose and if we need to survive.
1: Well, and you see what you know, and I'm not I'm not going to truck any specific people under the bus, but you see firsthand what our what our garage is like when you come and visit us at an oval or come and visit us at, at another track, which you are fantastic at doing, by the way. But you know, we
2: hey, I'm a race fan first and foremost, so when I get a oh, to go watch track, watch a race, I go.
1: We all we all are. Uh, Countless empty bottles, countless, you know, fuel spill, you know, like we try and be careful like with oil, with fluids, but there's, I got to say, and again, I don't want to chuck any particular person under the bus. Ontario is far more redneck than Alberta is. We have the reputation, but man, the, the, the mindset of some of the people that are out there, it's, it's shocking to me how...
2: you see, that's one of the reasons why it was so important for our team to get on the sustainability. I don't want to call it bandwagon, but sustainability um, train, freight train.
1: Yeah, it's a mindset. Is that
2: we're able to talk to a lot of people yep. who normally aren't exposed to, to these truths and these rhetoric and, and, and these um, ways of doing things better. For the planet and for performance as well. You know, funny story I was telling you about, about the biofuel, not the bio, but the synthetic fuel we use in the Chevrolet Urban Challenge. David Ebert, who's one of the winningest dirt track drivers in the entire uh, continent, um, his, he's grooming his daughter to drive. She's dro- driving in a sportsman car. And he bought the the leftovers and all the fuel drums with that synthetic gasoline. From all the teams, they're like, oh, this damn synthetic gas and you're forcing us to use blah, 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 blah. Like, we want to be a therapist. So he bought that off, and his daughter won the championship using fuel because he found that they could tune, de- tune the engine a little better with it. So there's a way to do it better for the environment and as well on the performance side if you're smart about it.
1: Yep, and, you know, within my business and within, you know, my home my home province, we're obviously big producers of energy. I maintain that if you want to truly make an environmental impact, create a tax incentive, give the producers, the Syncrudes, the Suncores, the Shells, the Essos, give them the incentive to reduce emissions. And they're they're working
2: on it. I mean, their point is, you know, we're talking about Alberta. uh, the, The concept of direct air capture for carbon that's being transformed to synthetic gasoline was invented at the University of Alberta. Yep. So that's the technology on which our fuel is it, the, the synthetic fuel we're using is based out of. It's made in Europe, but it's made out of Alberta born uh technology. Yep. So we can be part of the solution where, wherever we're from as long as we keep an open mind and we stay curious and that's what I like to do in my job but also in my my life.
1: Love it. What what can we expect from the race this year?
2: Uh probably a lot of contact, my friend. Maybe? The, Maybe. Uh, it, it should be good. I mean, uh, we're going to re-rack for the Dumoulin brothers and Kim Rani Now has a championship and in, in the pocket, but you gotta, you gotta remember that, you know, Alex Tagliani, Kevin LaCroix, multiple winners, but also Alex Gannett who came into his own, won the race last year, was able to show, uh, that he had the potential, Well, we kind of knew that from, from his, from his performance in trucks, but, uh, now he will be running full-time in the NASCAR series. Look out for uh, young Thomas Neveu, who's a kid from Quebec. Uh, he was a great, great kart driver, great, great uh, Formula 2000 driver, now coming into NASCAR Pinty Series uh, full-time. There's a lot of good drivers that are coming along. Uh, we're, I'm starting to feel that you know, we're having the next generation come in. Alex Lobain is busy in the U.S. We should be able to see him. So I just named there you know, eight guys and eight guys that can take it all. So 100%. probably half to two-thirds of the field are guys that can win. Yep. It's going to be a matter of circumstance. It's going to be a matter of preparation. And also, it's going to be a matter of a little bit of luck, a little bit of elbowing.
1: So. That, you know, aside from my father-in-law's T-shirt, that was the first real lesson about racing he taught me. He said, you can't win without luck. No. And it took me an awful long time to understand that. You, don't, you can't be lucky and win a race, but there's something that happens in the course of a race that lets a win happen. Yep. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's awesome. Uh, you know, getting back to Gannett, he's obviously a very, very good friend of ours. Uh, we race on the go-kart team together. He filled in for Alex at uh, Loudoun when Alex was sidelined with uh, myocarditis. Um, could, I mean, if we're not going to win the race, could not have been more happy to see him uh, win that. That was, you, you know, know they, obviously- they're a
2: great racing family. His oh. father, his uncle race, his grandfather raced, his sister race. Yeah, I mean, you got to give it for, you know, I was talking about passion. There's a passionate bunch right there. Plus, you know, they're they're, they're motocross people. So
1: so. it could not be a nicer kid. Like for people always, I, I know, you know, being a race fan, never knowing like, is that guy as nice as he seems on TV? I wonder what that guy's like. You know, that Alex Gannett is one of those guys. That's just always happy, smiley, you know, very thoughtful with people. Um, I, I also want to make sure that that people understand. You say a lot of things in passing, and we should drill down a little bit. Like people don't understand how much work you do to help drivers. The the favors that drivers ask, you know, the you ask of drivers. There's so much give and take that happens between you know you as a promoter and and drivers. But to to connect, you know, like you said, connect Mark with with his first deck to connect this guy with that guy with, like. You do so much work in the background that I don't think, you know, as as most people do in racing.
2: At the same time, you need to do that because the drivers are the stars of the show, but they need a place to shine, you know. The most beautiful jewel in the world and the safe doesn't do any good. So we need to make sure that they're able to be out of the safe, that they're able to be on the best, um, um, I don't know what the, what the English word is, but that presentation a uh, platform a, a velvet thing that, that that you put it on you know we want our crown jewels to shine yep. and we need to give them that opportunity and we need to work with them plus you know you mentioned is this guy as as, as cool as he as he seems to be on TV most of them are some of them are even cooler uh, nicer and funnier than they seem on on uh, in public so we need to to tap into that, and, and they're just a lot of fun to be around. I mean, just while we were talking, Tag, I called him this afternoon, texted me back. We have one of our um, board of directors who's going to the uh, e-carding center, and he said, oh, he yeah. can hook us up. And Tag said, no problem. Call me tomorrow. We'll work it out. And, and, and You know, so it's. Yeah, it's, he'll, uh,
1: he'll, he'll hook you up with that guy, but all we need is a 50-person suite during the, uh, during the event. So that's <laughs> that's fair trade, right?
2: <laughs> we'll work something out.
1: Plus a camping stall in the exact right spot, plus...
2: Yeah, camping stall, Alex has, has matured a lot since the years because there's always this story that was before your time and the story that comes back where he just decided to get on all fours and start banging on the ground in the middle of the paddocks saying, my motor home goes here! He says doesn't he remember but there's a hundred people that do so
1: that doesn't sound like Alex at all but you know the one of the one of my favorite things you know to share a little insight you know without throwing someone under the bus was um I want to say it was two years ago after the event and we're kind of walking back over the bridge towards the the campground and uh needed to fish our things out and and uh Ranger was there and um didn't win I think he had a mediocre day and uh, he had this party set up with a DJ. He had strobe lights going by. Now this is on Sunday night. And I think Monday happened to be a holiday or something like that. He was grabbing everyone. He could guys come have a drink guys. Let's have some fun. Let's do some dancing. And it's like, well, dude, like I'd love to, but we're driving back to Montreal tonight. Cause we have a flight tomorrow morning, but you know, getting to see Andrew. Ne- I like, I never get to see him like that. He's always been very, very polite and very, very uh, nice to me, but to see him kind of, take that last little layer off and to actually just unwind, it was uh, – it was. Uh, I won't
2: forget it. And that's the type of thing – that that's the type of story we like to, to – um, that, that we like to foster. We like to, to give the, the drivers and the teammates the chance to have these stories and be able for you to tell it afterwards. So, you know, and, with, and the that's a nice so near, with the downtown so near, with the activities on site, and, you know – Try to have some music, try to have some some some, you know, the, the weekends are action-packed, as you know, they're filled to the brim with and, and and I get I get crap from my team for filling the schedule too much, and we can't take a breather doesn't matter because the people in the stands they don't like everything that we're doing. So if they decide to go away, somebody will like what, what we're showing. So yep. we need to be able, you know, to keep it tightly packed and 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 it allows everyone to have to to um have best time that they can and, and that's why we're, we're you know once again you know I like to think that we do things fairly well and and, and we like to keep it that way you know I've had a lot of good experience a lot of good um, examples over 35 years, 40 years that the grand Prix, 40 years that the grand Prix was on before I got in and now we're trying to just continue that tradition of excellence
1: but those are the stories that happen when when you're at the event and you know we're trying to arrange our our crier media people to come out and do like full-on coverage which will be more behind the scenes kind of stuff um but anybody that's there it's not hard to to run across these people the drivers are super accessible they're all very friendly you can always get a hero card you can have a picture um you want to get fan engagement, or you want hey, to. Hey, if the you're
2: into Ranger on the bridge, you can even get a beer. So
1: 100%. Well, you know, that that, uh, I have a thought in my head. I'll share it with you later. That bridge has led to a lot of very big memories for me as well, but yeah. I'm not going to share that. But, um, it, the one question I ask everyone here, we've covered a whole bunch here, and I don't want to keep you any longer because you obviously have a lot more. It looks like your glass is getting empty, and uh, I know you got better things to do. But, uh, uh, boy, this is a pro here. You could you could be an Albertan with mindset like that. But
2: hey, this is this is actually um, Ukrainian vodka from Saskatchewan. So, what's it States. called? Yeah, it's called Lucky Bastard. Okay. Now I won the lottery. Decided to open a vodka distillery. You got, you got it. I mean, made with Saskatchewan wheat, and uh, it's honey pepper. So it's uh, very sweet and very spicy and very good. My my grandmother is Ukrainian, so I decided I couldn't get any any U- Ukrainian real horilka because of the war when the war started. So dialed up my friends in Saskatchewan and made sure that they uh, that they uh, were able to mail over a few bottles. Had to mail to Ontario if you can imagine because they they wouldn't mail them to Quebec for some reason. I don't know. But uh, I was able to get them, So, salute, mon ami.
1: I will. I'll send, uh, I'll send you the picture you want when we're done. You send me that name because I will forget. But uh, because Saskatoon happens before GP3R, I can make sure Very that well. I have a bottle or two in my bag when I get out there. Um, one of my favorite questions, and um, you're not going to get away without it. What's something about the race or something about your job that people don't know or that they misconstrue that you want to... That you want to, you know, dispel the myth.
2: That's easy. I still get asked, so what do you do the rest of the year? (laughs) It's only two weeks. Can't keep you that busy. So
1: what's the answer? What do you do with the rest of the year?
2: What I do is that I, I start working on the future editions. Plus, the past, you know, we got all the counting to do to, to go through it. Of course.
1: No, I get but, it. Uh, okay. Yeah,
2: that's a, that's why one, one, of the big, one of the big misconceptions. And the other one, which I won't would, I call it a misconception, but it's, it's something that, that people need to be aware of. And the further away you are from the event, the more you know about this, the closer you are. I'm talking about some people in the three rivers that, that wouldn't have a clue about this, is that um, our event gives our city a I mentioned the calling card factor, but it, it gives us a reputation that's second around the world. Um, our uh, MNA, Member National Assembly, was in London on vacation. Turns on the TV, Rallycross race was there. Uh, um, we are on the Nitro Rallycross schedule this year, which was, we're on Stockholm, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, Phoenix, London, England. Well, Linden Hill, but still. It's an hour from London and uh, uh, which one am I, which one am I, I'm missing one? Um, anyhow, it shows you that it, it allows a small town like Three Rivers to have world-class ambitions, world-class exposure, and also be able to give people a world-class welcome when they decide to come and join us.
1: Do you know the name Nicholas Brousseau?
2: Unfortunately, no, I don't.
1: So Nicholas was Canada's ambassador to Kazakhstan okay but he's from three rivers really and um i happen to be on a um you know a canadian business mission i was in kazakhstan we meet the, the you meet barat? pardon me did you meet barat <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> i'll tell you a separate story after that but after i meet him and we talk about you know uh you know where he's from us oh, gp3r he you know, how do you know? I said, well, you know, part of my other life is this NASCAR thing. We've been friends ever since I've been over and we've golfed together. You know, he's no longer an ambassador. He's moved on to, uh, to Belgium, but I did learn very quickly and very sternly. You do not mention Borat when you're in Kazakhstan. <laughs> yeah, part, I imagine. part of the issue is that their culture doesn't understand sarcasm and doesn't add understand that that farcical thing. Like they yeah,
2: there's that, and there's the fact that the country is named Kazakhstan, but that has nothing to do with it. Of the language is the same. It, it, yeah. it could have been named, you know, Bottlestan, and it would have been the same, you know. So
1: I plan to visit Bottlistan this weekend.
2: Cheers. We'll have you there.
1: Well, I'm I'm on health stuff for now, but uh Soon enough, it'll be uh, it'll be there. Uh, we'll throw this last one up here. We'll do a little cross promotion here from our, our friends, the uh, the Bun Sons, and yeah, um, great and
2: great and Cam at Stickers and Scuffs.
1: Yeah, uh, different podcast, but we're all part of the same family. And um, you know, thanks for watching, boys. Obviously, you drew these guys in here. They're not going to come in to watch me, but um, yeah, I mean, universally loved. anyone that I tell I don't care if it's our team I don't care if it's any like everyone loves going there everyone loves racing there they love the nightlife um there's just there's there's no stop to what you get I mean not to make it better or worse it's different than any other race but you're not stuck out in the country you're not in the like middle of nowhere we leave the track and within two minutes we're just crazy fine dining best thing, great I can
2: do, best thing i can say as a conclusion because i'm at two percent battery so this can die any day love it make sure to uh to take uh colin to his word come and see us GPTR.com tickets are on sale august 4 5th and 6th for the NASTAR weekend 12th and 13th for the rallycross weekend we're working on some pretty big things pretty exciting things and would love to have you and show you uh, the world-class hospitality that we try to give our teams, our drivers, but more more importantly, our fans.
1: You you will never go wrong going to GP3R. Thank
2: you, so thank you, thank
1: you, Dom. I appreciate your time, man. Looking forward to seeing you. I, usually, you uh, sneak into the to the garage at uh, at sunset for our first race. So hopefully, we, we're only about a month away from crossing paths again.
2: Should be, my friend. Take care. Bonsoir, mon ami Carles.
1: <laughs> Carles. thanks for your time, man.
2: All right, cheers baba. Yeah.
1: My god, that guy is awesome. I just I mean, you know, obviously I hopefully it shows uh Dom, thank you so much. You are just a beauty. Uh looking forward to uh you know, obviously getting our um a racing season started. Uh looking so forward to getting back to um you know, kind of feeling like normal life again. It's it's always a conundrum that uh we, you know, just miss it so much. And then um we're just right into the mix of it between NASCAR and go-karts and, and all the other racing that that happens. And then um, you know, obviously by the end of the year we are just uh we are just toast and ready for a little bit of a break. Gonna try something new here now. I've got my boy Parker Livingston uh sitting here at the ready. He wants to get his podcasting debut out of the way we haven't planned this I don't know what's going to happen here welcome to the show Parker
0: is it on now hey Parker sounds on it's on now hey
1: welcome to the show
0: thank you very much
1: now what why did you want to be on here
0: well I got the offer while I was (laughs) sitting around here so might as well
1: and that's it so we talk about torque, so this this is obviously called talk and torque. Yeah. We just talked about automotive torque. Let's yeah. let's talk about industrial torque. What is it that you do?
0: Well, I am the lead service technician in in your shop, can and I I'll deal with a lot of the the rentals, new sales orders, helping customers, uh, all that all that fun stuff.
1: Cool. Yeah. So what what is something about your job that people misconstrue or people misunderstand that you
0: have to correct them? Oh, that's, I didn't think that I'd be getting that question too. Um, I think that a lot of, a uh, a lot of people think that it's just, it's just automotive stuff that we do when I, when I bring it up to them, when I talk about it, cause they see, they see you promoting a lot of, a lot of racing with the Cantork name. So it's like, oh yeah, you guys are in the automotive industry, right? It's like, no, that's more of a, it's more of a fun time thing. That's more of a, a boss man thing. He likes to do that on the side.
1: How do you use your hydraulic wrenches on a race car? It's
0: and, it's tough, and,
1: and we don't. And you know, race cars are obviously just a, of uh, an avenue for us to advertise. Exactly. Um, what? Okay, so obviously, uh, I shouldn't say obviously. How long you been with the company?
0: Since. 2017 summer of 2017 August I think so that's three years well, I don't know my head's still a little bit fuzzy from when I got uh, cranked there so
1: when you got concussed
0: yeah it was a bar fight something like that a little bit less cool really so, yeah I think it's more cool well yeah you could say that getting getting a girl thrown at your head from 15 feet in the air three times when the span of two days is kind of part of the job when you're a cheerleader
1: when you're a cheerleader. Yep. So yeah. that's a, that's what you do when you're not at work. That's that is, your, your that's hobby. That's
0: my fun time thing is
1: cheer. So you are not only part of a, a local gym here called perfect storm athletics. Correct. There's perfect storm. There, I said it. Plugs. Plugs. Um, do you think we'll get paid by them for promotion?
0: I doubt it. I right. might get, might get a little bit of a thank you. Maybe <laughs>
1: if they're watching. Um, and then so that's uh that's what's considered all-star.
0: Yeah, that's that's all-star. That's you pay to do it because you just love doing it so much.
1: But that's competitive cheerleading. That's it where is. you go you, to competitions. You
0: compete against other teams, you try and get the best scores. You've got other gyms in in not only the province of Alberta, but in other provinces across the country that you're going to be trying to to beat
1: and then you are also part of the i got to think really hard cuz i get it kind of wrong the edmonton elks
0: the edmonton elks
1: cheerleading team
0: yes sir and
1: what's that all
0: about well that's just about trying to hype up the fans at the at the elks games but that's China.
1: so so unlike some other teams in the CFL and this isn't a better or worse program but um you guys are a pure Well, pardon me, it gets broken into a dance team and then there's a stunting team.
0: Yeah, so for a team like BC, like they just have, they've just got their dance team. So they don't have any stunters. They don't throw basket tosses. They don't do any. They dance. They dance. They've just got dancers. We've got two separate teams with two separate coaches. We practice at the same time in the same space, but we've got our cheer team too. So we'll be throwing up stunts. We'll be doing pyramids. We'll be doing basket tosses where we throw girls up in the air like lots of fun stuff like that. That's more to just kind of, to kind of show off. So
1: I'm curious because I'm a curious guy. Yeah. It's, it's a little interesting interviewing your son, my son, yeah. um, your mother's son, whatever, however we do this, somebody's um, son. Somebody's son. Yeah. Not, not a lot of people looking to take credit for you. Yeah. Um, did you get anybody out of your, your fan group to your friend group to tune in?
0: Um, I'm not sure. I, 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 had the, the live stream up here cause I wanted to see some of the photos you were sharing, but I don't know who's actually watching here. F-
1: nobody's asking questions from, from your group. We did get a comment from our friend Graydon Bun saying that if I can do a podcast, anyone can let the passion lead you. If you want to become a podcaster, we know people here on the crier network that, uh, we can put you into. Yeah. Um, Oh, we got Gyeong Sung. Oh, geo who says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put that up just to make sure that Yoons-sung, hey, how's it going, dude? I haven't talked to you in an awful long time. Uh, that's up on the screen right now.
0: Yeah, I've got a little bit of a delay here watching from my phone, but oh, yeah, there
1: we go. I could have, I could have uh, given you the live feed. Um, is there anything about Cantor you want to tell the people? You are, you are, in addition to a service member, you are also a senior representative? I sure am. What, uh, what do you want to tell them?
0: Uh, wow. Not often that I'm, that I'm speechless. Right. Hey, buy our torque wrenches. Buy our stuff. Is that, I think that's, I think that's pretty good. That was actually a, uh, oh, we got Kyle. We got
1: Kylie here. Oh, Kyle. With the, Hey Parker. So this is now the Parker podcast. Yeah. Well, oh, and he spells, Hey, H-A-Y. Come on, Kyle. You're better than that. H-A-Y. H-A-Y.
0: Come
1: on. Um, I think we kind of covered what we need to cover here. We might be running out of steam. Is there any, any avenues that you would like to chase? Is there, is there a topic on your mind?
0: Not specifically. No. Okay. No. Maybe next time. Uh, if I, if I do this again, if I'm invited back, I'll, I'll do a little bit more preparation. This was pretty on the spot on the fly.
1: Well, it's six 20 here on a Thursday evening. Um, what's, what's next here in the shop?
0: What's next? I'm gonna go back there. Uh, shop's in a little bit of a disaster area right now, so gonna go back there, do some organization, make sure everything's nice and tidy. Because when when the shop's not in order, it drives me up the wall, and when customers come in and see that, it doesn't construe a, a great message. I like it when when customers come in and they're kind of like, "Holy shit!" Like shop is really organized, and it's like, "Thank you." But right now, it's it's not like that, and that that doesn't make me too happy.
1: Because we popped you in at the last second, your um, your name tag still says that uh, you're talking Torque CL. So, oh, you can also give out your uh, your socials if you want people to follow you after the show.
0: Yeah, uh, Instagram at Flapper Junior.
1: <laughs> your mother and grandmother would be so proud right now. Yeah, right. And uh, is it, what else you got?
0: What else do I got? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you wanna if you wanna sponsor me, go into Worlds for. For cheer, then that will be great. You can email me at PA1121 at gmail.com. If you'd like to try and arrange something with that, uh, going to Florida here on the 19th to the World Championships for cheer with Perfect Storm.
1: How many times have you been there?
0: This will be my second time, and hopefully I get to compete this time.
1: Second time as a competitor. How many times have you been there?
0: To Worlds? Only the one time. Really? Yeah, I went to, uh, there's a kind of the junior version of that is Summit, which I went to back in 2015 or 16, and we did not do, <laughs> we didn't do so good there. So well?
1: No. But you've been there more than that?
0: I don't believe so. I've seen you there. I think I've only been there, this will be my third time, maybe my fourth time being there.
1: I feel like I've been there more, and if I was there, you were there.
0: Yeah. But. Well, I could be mistaken. Could be,
1: it wouldn't be the first time you did suffer a brain injury recently.
0: That's what I'm saying.
1: Damage, 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 damage.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would not recommend anybody getting a concussion. It's, uh, it's not fun. It's not so good. Not so good. Not so
1: good. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good thing. Anybody who's interested in cheerleading, uh, we've got a connection. If you're here in the Edmonton area, we've got, you know, friends across the country. It's really cool uh, for any of our racing friends that are still watching uh, to see our our, uh, friends from uh, DJ Kennington's family. Uh, Young Sydney has started taking up cheerleading. So that's all part of the uh, all part of the racing world now. Um, I want to get out of here, Park. You got anything else to add?
0: Nope. I think I've, I've said it all. Perhaps I've said too much. Perhaps you've said too much.
1: And that's what's happening. I'm Matt Cundall, host of the sound off podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast.
0: To the
2: Blue Hotel. I want to at the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes
1: everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open minded,
2: the pleasure seeker.